0: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Wednesday, May 20th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin, I gotta tell you, I don't know if it's like the weather getting warmer here in New York or people starting to come out, but I am getting the distinct sense that Mm. we are back to sports really, really soon. And I got to tell you the truth. At first, it was kind of just a feeling, but in the last 24, 48 hours, we are seeing states opening up this week as well, right? In an official capacity, we're seeing more and more businesses open on the street. We're seeing more and more cars on the road. I joked about uh, putting out on Twitter yesterday, like I was in Traffic on the cross <laughs> over the weekend, something that would never have happened a few weeks ago. Okay, and we're also starting to hear government talk about it opening. You know, Kevin, I've said, right, the devil is in the details and it has to be the owners and the players. And you've talked mm-hmm. about the networks, right? We talked about the regional and national kind of commitments for teams a little bit yesterday. And I've always said the other like leg of this table is local and state governments. Remember, Kevin, only a month ago when UFC 249 was supposed to go off in California, right? Mm -hmm. And Gavin Newsom said, oh wait, no, 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 this would violate the stay at home order for any employees to like travel to the Native American reservation or wherever it was, so no dice, and they had Mm -hmm. to move. Well, you know, recently that same man, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has come out and said, I think we're going to be open for large team sports, I think he said back in like the first week of June, and that's only California. Kevin, New York, which as we know, is the absolute epicenter globally for this virus. Kevin, New York has more cases than any other country on this planet, and the governor of New York has said that we can expect large professional team sports, albeit without fans, to open up soon in regions of the state, including the city by next month. I mean, Mm. Kevin, it's coming, right?
1: Yeah, it's got to be. It absolutely has to be. I think that those were probably the two biggest uh, states that you had to wait on, both being California and New York, Mm -hmm. Um, not just because of their size and uh, their cases, but the fact that they house multiple teams throughout any sport you look, Yankees match, Giants, Jets over in California, we mentioned five. Different baseball teams. This right. was.
0: How are they going to have the Western Conference NBA playoffs without the state of California?
1: Exactly right. The Lakers, the Clippers, <laughs> like even exactly. the you know the Nets are in the playoffs right now. Right. The Knicks might still have games to play. Sure. So this has been a a, a very very big step. Every team having to travel to those sites in the baseball, you know, in yeah. instant. Yeah, and I and I think it's a, it's a combination of things. You know, I think there's going to be people out there who go, "See, we could have been running sports the whole time." I think that that's a little silly. I think that. This is the idea of you know socially distancing and uh, people being a lot more careful is beginning to work. And we're seeing what the benefits of that can be. There's a reason why the KBO was back. There's a reason why we were watching Bundesliga all weekend. Certain places were moving ahead a little bit quicker, and they've got their sports back. And hopefully that that is the path that we are on. I I do have to wonder, though, if to some degree they – realize that sports are maybe more essential than people think mm-hmm. right and sometimes we look at sports and it's just it's sports mm-hmm. and we say, eh, it doesn't matter and to look to a to a degree okay but i mean sports teams like do actually have a significant impact on the economy around it i mean i mean there's been absolutely there's been like countless people who have you know commented on what lebron being in cleveland and not being in cleveland City has cleveland, done yeah. For that actual local economy. So I I think that that's another thing is people kind of realizing that um, sports are probably more important than they realized. I thought Cuomo's speech specifically was actually a little hilarious to me (laughs) because he mentioned how much he wants to watch the Buffalo Bills. Right. But then in what I thought was a joking way was like, but this is not why I'm opening things up. But then he, like, reiterated it to the point where I'm like, I think he's really trying to clear the air here that he is not doing this because he's a Bills fan. Right. And I almost wonder if somewhere in the back of his head, as a Bills fan, he's like, we've got in the NFC East. We've got to open this bad boy up. And <laughs> I don't think he is. You know what's funny? The
0: other subtle uh. jab there could be the fact that the Bills are actually the only NFL team that's technically based yeah. in the state of New York, despite the other two NFL franchises that have New York in the name. Maybe he wanted to put out that that that's the true New York team. You know what I mean? Oh yeah.
1: no, no, it's a good it's it's a good point though. But like he look, it felt actual. You ever like give someone a take, but you know like you know as a Yankee fan, you're like, sure. I'm. This is nothing to do with me being a Yankee fan. I just don't think that the Red Sox have a good roster this year, right? right? Right. I just feel like he was like, it has nothing to do with the fact that the Bills got a good shot at the NFC East. I just think we should get sports back underway. Just a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that the Yankees got a 101 win total doesn't matter,
0: right? (laughs) Right? So let me ask you this, though, because I think we are all seeing that we're on the precipice of this, Right. Right. Now I want to ask you about competitive balance, though, Kevin. You know, I think it was Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach, last week, who said, listen, you know, when these facilities are starting to open, and we've even heard Roger Goodell say facilities can start to open, um, what about them opening simultaneously? Like, there is still, you know, different levels of the kind of reopening plan in phase one and phase two. Do you think that, hey... You know, if the state of blah, blah, blah says we're open for business, let's go. Or do you think now the leagues should put in another kind of policy that says they can't open or start training until all teams are able to do so? Like, is there a competitive balance issue if some teams get to start practicing or working out or seeing coaches, you know, a week before others?
1: Yeah, you obviously have to be careful with that, um, you know, with the NBA and the fact that they've allowed teams to open their facilities. And I don't know if we've got, I don't think we've gotten to all 30 uh, with open facilities yet. But I guess for them, it, it so when when the NBA opened their facilities, Kevin Love was someone who went to the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, you know, practice facility and talked about just how good it was for him, like his mental state. Right. And we know Kevin Love is one of the players in the NBA who really pushes forward the idea of like mental health and yeah. like how important that is. And again, I think sometimes people will almost like at sports, but I don't think people sometimes understand like how much this is the life of, of these athletes and how mm-hmm. important it can be. And the difference. It can, it. Yeah. yeah. Just the difference it can make in their day, the ability to go out there and be on the field. So I just think as you're able to open them, open them and, proceed that way because if you sit there waiting the whole time for a corner pocket to give you you know a one final team you may never cross that threshold and I think baseball would get to a point where that team if they're not able to open up will be playing their games elsewhere anyway so I think that is kind of the the idea here I, I think it's it's really really fascinating stuff just to To see, you know, the benefits, though, I guess, of the social distancing and the fact that these things are moving forward. I mean, I guess you can only speak with what you know. And to me, um, you know, from what I've seen, Cuomo has been very, very stern on a lot of these things. Right. So I don't take him saying that we can bring professional sports back lightly. I don't think that that's something that he is doing at a whim. I I believe that he is feeling that it is a step that we are ready to take. Mm -hmm. And... I, I think that it's a very, very positive sign. I think it's maybe the most optimistic thing that you know, pertains to baseball um, in, in weeks, it almost feels like.
0: You know, I, I agree with you. And one of the things we're talking about, and listen, people are viewing this now through the lens of you know politicized prisms or all sorts of things, mm-hmm. okay? And so what I will say is I, I believe there is a range in this country, quite frankly, of how serious people are taking this virus, the implications of this virus, blah, 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 okay? And this is not a show where I can get, I should get up on my soapbox about that. But if you acknowledge that there is a range of that, one thing that I can say with damn certainty is that the citizens of New York and New York City, and ultimately the governor of New York, are on the end of taking this seriously. Why? Because as I said before, the state of New York has more cases than any other country on this planet. So the people that are walking around this city that you and I are in, Kevin, They don't see it as a hoax. Why? Because everybody who lives in this city knows someone personally or has been touched by this virus, right? The the governor, the leader of the state of New York, has to represent himself as the far end of that continuum. Whether it's a reference point in comparison to other government officials or not, that's not what I'm going to get into. What it is is that, to your point, The state of New York and the political leadership of New York clearly are on the let's take this serious side of the continuum, the Mm -hmm. cautious side of the continuum. And if even someone who has been, you know, attentive to data and health and caution is saying, in June we may be able to open up for this, that is what, for me, is such a positive sign, you know, when it comes to uh, how close we may be, um, to the future, albeit, of course, with no fans, right? Sure. Um, so, so let me ask you this, because we talked about it in baseball, right, and, you know, we think baseball may be this big-time sport that kind of opens up on, in California, in New York, they'll be playing in their home stadiums, and we've talked about the implications, right, about no fans, or the implications of, you know, a shortened season that starts in July versus 162 that started in late March, and... There are two big American League contenders, right? The Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. The Houston Astros, we've talked about how with no fans in the stands, right, um, it may be a little bit better for them because they're not going to have to deal with the hate, right, that's been happening. Now, I'm also thinking about these New York Yankees. I'm a Yankees fan, Kevin, and, you know, James Paxton, their number two pitcher, was -hmm. not going to be ready, but now he's ready. Uh, Aaron Hicks was going, coming off of elbow surgery, was not supposed to be ready to the summer. We're going to have him. Same thing with Judge and Stanton, right? These are guys yeah. who are going to be okay and ready to go who weren't. Who do you think benefits more? The Astros not having to have fans in the stands and deal with the hate? Or the Yankees by having three, four, five major producers back on their active roster? Which do you think is the bigger help?
1: I I, I would say the Yankees because I think the talent we can real
0: talent as opposed to
1: right like we can you like the Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton being yeah. in... The, and your your number two being in the being available is so so important.
0: It's and more I, than like the road advantage.
1: But and while I do believe that that road advantage would have been big, one sometimes players can feed off of negative energy and turn it back around. Sure. Two it's not like they're going to go out there and, bas- and you know, like Yankees players will give them daps up and be like, all oh, good. like Because everyone hates them. And that's not going away. So the dirty stares and the uncomfortable feelings are right. still going to remain. And by the way, they should. Because they are the worst.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Red Sox got off easy as well. We'll see. All right. So now that we know it's about to go down, when we come back on the other side of the break, we start looking on the field, on the court, And give you more updates of what's happened and what the.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Welcome back to The Early Line right here on SportsGrade. Kevin Walsh and I am the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority Dane Martinez. Kevin, we were talking about you know, it, it it feels like it's coming, okay? Like, we're coming back. We're going to be playing sports pretty soon. Even our local and state governments are starting to say that we are opening for business, and you're probably seeing that in your community right now. You know, whether it's pickup for delivery, um, you know, we're starting to see more cars on the road. We're starting to see more businesses opening this week, and, you know, kind of the plans. We're even hearing about potentially beaches opening for Memorial Day in the tri-state area. So for Me, Kevin, what that means is we got to start looking back at the real X's and O's of this, right? What are we going to see? when Major League Baseball happens. And so over the next couple of weeks, we will be talking about those teams and in fantasy baseball, ranks Mm. and tiers for that. But we also have the NBA playoffs that, you know, kind of, uh, we're gonna hit the unpause button and maybe get to, maybe there'll still be regular season games. Remember, the devil is in the details and those have not been bargained just yet. So we'll wait word for that as well. But I found something very curious to me, Kevin, in the NBA news that came down yesterday, and you're kind of my NBA guy, so I want to get your thoughts here, okay? Mm. Um, for Utah, Bogdanovich, who, by the way, is going like 20 points a game, four boards a game, two sit, like a, a real player. I think he's got 63 starts, so a part of their starting lineup, Bogdanovich, oh, yeah. is going to have season-ending wrist surgery now. Kevin, this doesn't make sense to me. This does not make sense to me. And it seems like he hurt it back in January, right? Mm -hmm. Was like playing through it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But now that we're coming back is when he's like, oh, yeah, let me shut it down. So I ask you a couple of questions here, Kevin. One, how big of a piece is Bogdanovich to the Jazz? And secondly, why is this happening in mid to late May as
1: opposed to mid-March? So I think um, in terms of him being a big piece, you listed it right there. There's only uh, two, I think, players in the league that are averaging 20-plus points per game with 40% three-point shooting, and it's him and Chris Middleton. Um, Yeah, he's, he's... He's flirting with that 50-40-90 line, uh, 90% from the line, but he's, he's yeah. a little bit lower on the field goal percentage because so many of his shots uh, are from deep. But, yeah, 20 points a game, wildly efficient scorer. He was a big part of their offseason. Both Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, I think, were equal parts in the moves that they made, and that's what had the Jazz on the highest play, course,
0: Mike Conley has kind of underperformed
1: as well, right? Yeah, well, Bogdanovich is, has done what they expected. Conley's definitely underperformed. Right, i Conley, right. Conley, right. Yeah, their best... Games really were without. Oh, confidence. by the way, Mike Cardano.
0: He's an African American man, Mike Conley. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks, Mike.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's 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 been a, it's it's really really difficult for this Utah Jazz team, and this is this is a starter for them now. You know, between Royce O'Neal and and I guess Joe Ingles. I mean, they'll be able to try and figure out something. But this is a big piece for them. This is a big. This is a, definitely a considerable loss. So the timing of it definitely does. Kind of raise an eyebrow, and there's a couple of ways to look at this, right? Now you mentioned that he had this back in January, and I'm sure at that point they said, "Well, listen, we think we can catch right. fire here. Yeah, we yeah. have a season. Let's pull through." Okay, boom. So Danny's done that all the way up until March. Everything shut down, and at that point, I feel like nobody really knew what to expect. Okay, we'll wait. We get to April. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. The the uh, we might be back. All right, we'll wait. We get to May. And I guess basically they're like, yeah, listen, this is this is silly because we can keep waiting and that you won't even be ready for next season. And that's understandable. What I have to wonder, though, Dane, is if the Jazz had a a look in the mirror and said to themselves, well, this isn't our year anyway. This is not our season because there are teams better than us. Right. And Bogdanovich is injured. And we're also Team Coronavirus. And our two-star players might hate each other forever. Right. Now, that's a little dangerous because Rudy Gobert, I think, next year will be on the end of his contract. I think mean, you have a player option. We all know players, if they're good, opt out and they get a new deal. right, right, right. And, I mean, I saw some rumors throughout the whole Gobert process that the Jazz were skeptical if they might want to even re-sign Gobert. Like, this Jazz window, I think, yeah. is odd to me Dane. right but i i guess the justification of it is them saying ah it's not our year i just can't get on board with that when it's this wild who knows like if any right. year, In a a, right, year how are you gonna say this title, is not our year when it's variance year <laughs> right and yeah, like and imagine anyone.
0: imagine the 10-part documentary on if the team that shut down the league with coronavirus wins the title Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. So I do think it's interesting. I think the timing is interesting. And I think you're right. You know, why do this now? And also, if he was able to grind through it for two months, and now we're almost back, and we know what it's going to take, maybe you grind through it again, you know, for what could only be four games you know, at its minimum, right? If they get banged out in the first round, you know? So I did think it was curious, and this is a big piece of the Utah Jazz. So let me ask you this, because you mentioned other things that are important here. We know that Gobert and Spider uh, Spider Mitchell are not necessarily, they haven't like, you know, kumbaya'd on this, right? And there's talk about, hey, maybe Donovan Mitchell wants out. Um, so I understand that there's some drama. I also remember Kevin... This idea... Remember when we were talking about, you know, the-the-the Truman Show bubbles of the Eastern and Western Conference and who that may benefit? And I remember saying, I thought the Jazz took a hit because they won't be able to play on their home court, right? And that was one of the things we mentioned. So when I throw all this in a pot, Kev, that they won't have their home field advantage, that they'll be without one of their leading scorers in Bogdanovich, right? That there is a little bit of stress and acrimony there, right? Mhm. The Jazz are becoming a full fade for me. Remember, this is the fourth seed in the West, Kevin, right? This is like, you know, I mean, you have to consider them a legit contender. Right? Mm-hmm. They're the fourth seed in the West. So I wonder to what extent are you fading them now? And you know, I think you mentioned right now when you see the Western Conference standings, you see the playoff standings right there on the screen. It mm-hmm. looks like they, at least as of now, if there's no regular season and if there's no weird play-in tournament and all that stuff, correct me if I'm wrong, but they would see Oklahoma City, is that right? They're the five seed? Look yep. at that, right? So how are we handicapping this now? Are you trying to right now get, you know, an early number on the Thunder for this potential playoff series?
1: So, if you remember when we did our, we, you know, we kind of did a little, right. A little bracket, right? Just to give it a, give it, we both had the Thunder winning. And True. this was with Bogdanovich the being there. To me, the Thunder have always been underrated. They've been underrated in the game-to-game market, but then eventually they were winning so much, it had to be adjusted. But the futures market only will be adjusted as people put their bets. And clearly, they've not put their bets down on OKC. They're 100-1 to 1 to win the title. Signific- the thunder. The thunder. Yeah. Significantly worse odds than this Utah Jazz team. But also, a 7th-seeded Dallas Mavericks that'll play the Clippers in round one. Also, a 7th-seeded Brooklyn Nets team that right. has had Kevin Durant ruled out by Adrian Wojnarowski. I expect them to win this series against the Jazz, and if it's going to be played on a neutral site, I think that Thunder can honestly flirt with being favored in the series. Mm-hmm. I think they can. To me, what what begs the question about this hundred to one odds bet on the Thunder to win the title because at the FanDuel Sportsbook they don't have up series prices of which makes all the sense in the world, but it's right. not. We don't know. Itself. Right. the layout's
0: going to be yet yeah, right. exactly
1: but we don't even we don't have conference odds sure. either I think the thing to me is that, and I've been trying to figure this out and I'll turn it back to you for some help here is if I make a 101 bet on the thunder to win the title right. i obviously need to let it ride against the jazz and if we're fortunate enough and they move past the jazz right. at that point Can I begin
0: hedging out? That's 100 to 1, right? If it was like 10 to 1, you'd have to wait until they were like in the finals, right? But at 100 to 1, in essence, just logically, it moves up the timeline on when you can start hedging against it because Mm -hmm. the payout of the 100 to 1 would be so big. So, in essence, what you're saying is if you get that original stake of Thunder 100 to 1, right? You have to just, you know, grin and bear it and clench down and bite your teeth against the Jazz in the 4-5, okay? But then, yes, you know, yeah, then I think what you're doing is you're taking Lakers money line or Lakers minus three game by game against the Jazz, right? Because you, you, one of two things happen. Either you win those game by game bets, right? Sure. And I would only do it to be quite honest because you would be laying points or it would be minus number on a money line. So what I the way I would do it I think is I'd be in the live markets on those games and mm. anytime I can get those guys at a decent price, their opponent, I do it right sure. But then if those aren't ha- winning, guess what my 101 shot survives and advances right yeah I think that is the way to play it. You'd have to do a little bit of math to see what the right, chunk of the hedge needs to be because now you know you're actually playing it out that you're not going to do it once that you're doing it maybe two or even three times right so that um kind of like compounds the interest
1: if you think about it
0: but uh yeah i think it's viable especially with such a huge uh initial stake at 100 to 1 yes i do
1: and i think i think too right when we think about it um just kind of like a series price bet as well the lakers thunder can I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not perfect at these, but let's I don't know maybe minus three hundred for the Lakers oh, on a series price. Is. neutral site the second finals, Lakers Thunder the one versus five, yeah, yeah. right. So you right. we'll say a minus three hundred. They have a what? hundred to one bet on the other side. If you put the full hundred dollars down, right. yeah, you can you can hedge out for right. profit on the Lakers, no yep. problem. And if the Thunder, by some miracle. Beat the Lakers. You one shot in the Western Conference Finals. Right, and you'll still be able to move forward. And what I also think is is kind of fun about this little idea here is you might not be inclined to lay minus 300 odds on the Lakers because it's, I don't want to lay minus 300. But if you have a plus 100 to 100-1 ticket sitting on your side, mm-hmm. now you go out there and lay 600 bucks to 200 bucks on the Lakers, which you wouldn't have been willing to do... Right. Without this- Because event, that's going to eat sugar, into your you know, plan. That's
0: 100,000 return. All it is is exactly. you consider it a larger outlay. Another thing to potentially do, although it's not the full hedge, but remember, you have future opportunities. Maybe it would be minus 300 in that scenario. But Kevin, not if you do like Lakers in five, sure. right? Sure. You know, you do that and then bang, you get that in like five or less games. And then all of a sudden- If you're sitting there, and this series is in the sixth game, well, you're cheering for the game, and you still have a game to bet, right? You can still bet game seven or bet game six in the same way. You don't only have to hedge by one specific kind of bet. You can hedge throughout the process, but you only can do so, Kevin, because you get the guarant, you get the crazy odds of that hundred to one on the other side, right? So we'll keep on talking about this. Some other news that we see around the NBA and for NBA players and, you know, goats comparing themselves to each other. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. It's The Early Line, right here on Sports Grid. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. You know, Kevin and I were talking about this Brogdon Bogdanovic injury and the fact that he's deciding to have surgery now as opposed to two months ago where he could be, you know, I don't know what the rehab is like for the wrist surgery. I don't know if it's an eight-week thing, if it's a five-month thing. But literally, Kevin, you know, we hear all the time six to eight weeks, right, yeah. or two months, if that was how long, he could be back here right by now. And let's remember, here in the middle of May, these aren't games yet. We're talking about games. not until, you know, another month from now, let's say, where he could have been three, three and a half even months removed from his surgery, okay? They ultimately, in mid-March, decided not to do it, in late March, decided not to do it throughout the month of April, never thought it was the smart decision to bite the bullet and start the clock on the return to health. Mm. What do you think that possibly means about what internally the Jazz were thinking or the NBA was thinking
1: about this timeline given COVID? Yeah, I wonder if the Jazz uh, and the league as a whole the entire time was expecting a return. And they were like, look, let's just hold out. Hopefully... Hopefully we're back. Um, I, I think that there there had to be some like level of optimism of just wait and see approach. And I guess some people might turn it around on its head and say, well, devil's advocate, does that now mean with them shutting him down that they are not expecting a return? But I guess maybe to them they're just like, yeah, again, we've we've wasted so much time. Right. Like let's just let's just get the ball rolling on this. But Or I
0: there's th- the look themselves in the mirror, like you said. Like, hey, why? Because here's the other thing that's the case now, Kevin. Yeah. We're talking about compromising next year, right. right? And we're now in the territory where maybe because of the league calendar or the schedule, that's now up in the air, right? And right. so now it's like, oh, wait a second. Long term, we certainly don't want to compromise the 2021 season, And we're looking ourselves in the mirror. Can we really beat the Clippers? Can we really beat the Lakers? If the answer is no, then maybe, you know, when we put all these things on a scale, the cost benefit is to cut off 2020
1: because, well, we will have him back next year. Maybe that was part of the calculus as well. No, yeah, it's a a, a good point, right? Like, again, the way that this season has gone for them, too, it's been such a disaster. Maybe, too, like the... Like, they knew about it in January. I'm not... Right. is that crazy to say that if he did it in January, he could have been back for what was the scheduled playoffs? In, like, May? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It. I
0: don't know. Yeah. You know,
1: sometimes a wrist surgery, it could be something
0: like a six to eight weeks. But it could also be, like, yeah, a nine-month sure. recovery. I do not know the details of it. But regardless of it, they had some time. And they chose not to use that time for the recovery, so it is very, very interesting. You know, when I think about this idea of waiting to have surgery, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, given what we've been talking about the last few weeks, Kev, is Scotty Pippen, right? Waiting to have this surgery, yeah. you know? It's so weird. It's the same kind of theory, right? Eating into time when they could have used him. Uh, obviously, this is a different context. Scotty was just trying to have some fun to make a point. <laughs> um, Bogdanovich was uh, on so like, like you're saying, maybe we're holding out. When my mind thinks to Scotty. I think about Michael. When I think about Michael, I think about LeBron. And it's so interesting that after this last dance, you know, the kind of Michael versus LeBron comparisons come up again and again and again. I literally saw something on my timeline yesterday showing all the great passes of LeBron James and being like, don't tell me Jordan's a better passer than LeBron, you know, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. What is also interesting, in the last dance, right, Michael Jordan play baseball, and you see everyone from the GM of the Bulls to Terry Francona, a respected manager, being like, he could have made it to Major League Baseball if he, in fact, had the time, had the practice. Remember, in 1994, though there was a work stoppage in Major League Baseball. And they made the point in the documentary that Jordan would not cross the picket line as a double-A player, as a replacement player, you know, because of those guys in his fraternity and in, in as professional athletes, right? You know what's interesting? You were talking to me about LeBron also had opportunities, right, to kind of show his wares and demonstrate that he's better than just basketball too, right, Kev?
1: Yeah, I mean LeBron was—he uh, was talking with on with, uh, un- uninterrupted uh, with Mav Carter, and they were talking about how LeBron during the lockout season of uh, what was 2011, where mm-hmm. the NBA did miss a, a you know a handful of games, right. uh, that he began training for football genuinely. Um, and I know that some people are like, "Oh, that's so stupid." I'm LeBron- guessing he was tight end. LeBron was like one of the best wide receivers in the country as a kid. Now. At the next level, with right, all but of at the,
0: like six, seven, and two hundred and fifty, he'd have to be a tight end, right? Yeah,
1: with okay. all of the weight that he's now put on, like you'd have to think tight end um, for LeBron. And I mean, the red zone huh? Say. Yeah, right. <laughs> now the clip kind of got cut off, but I, Matt Carter, then said that LeBron has uh, a contract offer from Jerry Jones that like was given to him. So like, and the idea there's absolutely nothing about that that's like, oh, no way, Jerry. Like, think, imagine being the person that goes, no way Jerry Jones offered LeBron James a contract. Come oh, on. Of course know, buy- he did. Of course he did. And, like, with the athleticism. And, again, like, he has somewhat of a football background. While I know what? high school is significantly what? different, he was, like, he was one of the best wide receivers in the whole country. Like, he could have gone to any college football program that he would have... He had the option of going to the NBA instead after high school, though. He just had the chance to go do what he's done in the NBA. I mean, you know, Joe, because you mentioned Terry Francona, and I was like, this is where, like, because, you know, like LeBron Jordan, I'm like, this is where it's so ridiculous, man. This dude shows up in double-A baseball and gets Terry Francona as a manager. Manager. (laughs) He's, like, one of the better managers we've seen. And that's I'm like, if LeBron would have went to the NFL, he'd have had Hugh Jackson as a coach who would have tried to play him at right tackle. Like, just the stupidity of it all, man. Like, the coaching breaks. But yeah, I totally, I've all, I long believed that if LeBron would have chosen football, he could have been a successful football player. Uh,
0: there's nothing to make me think he can't, especially now when you see all these new, the evolution of the tight end position, right? It started with guys like Tony Gonzalez who played college basketball, you yeah. know, and the whole point was like, oh, he's able to box out, right? And be that target and understand how to use his body similar to rebounding. So I completely believe, you know, in the mold of the Tony Gonzalez Antonio Gates kind of tight end, but we know the athleticism that he has. Absolutely. Um, I think he is is athletic enough to go uh, to sports if needed, right? And we saw Jordan. We know about guys like Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders as well. Can I ask you something? It mm-hmm. has been a long-running conversation um, with me and friends. Um, if the aliens ever came down, Kevin, you know, and we'd see, you know, UFOs in this pandemic and crop circles and all that stuff. If the aliens ever came down mm-hmm. and said, we're going to play you in alien ball, one-on-one yeah. for planet Earth, mm-hmm. right? We don't know what Alien Ball is yet, right? You know, we, we've been seeing Space Jam, <laughs> right? Space Jam 2. We don't oh. really know the rules of Alien Ball, mm-hmm. okay? But the King Alien came down and said, put up your best. Yeah. Out of all the athletes on Earth, Kevin, <laughs> would LeBron be the choice? I mean... To, I Maybe? Mean, to- to, maybe it's hard, it's hard not to. You know, right? we were talking about this. Like, I, I think maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, could it be like we don't know? Maybe Alien Ball is played in water, could it be Michael Phelps? I don't know, right. But it's just interesting, right? Could Zion Williamson, for <laughs> example, right? But even would it be a basketball player or would it be a soccer player? Would it be a boxer? Would it be an American ninja warrior? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, but. All I'm saying is because LeBron is definitely a candidate for Alien Ball, it makes me think yes, he could be just yeah. fine if he moved over to the NFL. You know what I mean? But absolutely, go ahead.
1: I'd love to see like a- Alien Ball ends up just being a free throw shooting contest, and we could have even and just no. used like 50 year old <laughs> Steve Kerr. Would have right. been just like the absolute like the optimal option. Let me if I can say with with uh, with football, right? Because we talk a lot of fantasy here. Yeah. And legitimately, yeah. if tomorrow. Like, the NBA was like, look, we're not going to be able to come back for a while. But the NFL was all up and ready, and LeBron's like, you know what? I'm going to try and live out this dream. And the Cowboys are actually a team that doesn't really have a lot of tight end talent. And he was the Cowboys starting tight end. So he was going to go from now up until September, full training, the athleticism, all that remains, Yeah. puts the muscle on. Obviously, I know you'd love to say, I'd like to see preseason. Well, you don't get that opportunity here. Where is LeBron going to get drafted as a tight end, of the Dallas Cowboys, genuinely, this year, where would he be drafted?
0: It's a great question. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that's holding me back, because you're talking about fantasy, right? And so you're yes. talking about his, like ultimately his production. The things that holds me back here on this is the fact that you said the Dallas Cowboys. Right, I'm because to find the on right on the Cowboys, offense, but on the Cowboys, I don't think it's a good offense for him because what? Remember what we were talking about with them drafting, you know, uh Lamb anyway, and with Zeke Elliott there already, right? We're talking about the Cowboys already as yeah. a fantasy herd, Kevin. You know what I mean? So you're just putting another element into the herd. So I don't know that the production would be there. He'd definitely get a defensive attention in the red zone. I'll tell you that. But if you put him, on, I don't. I don't know. I think that's a great question. Yeah. I think he's so like honestly. Would you take T.J. Hawkinson or LeBron James? I think I'm taking LeBron on like a high-powered Cowboys offense. It depends on the offense, right? It depends on the landing spot. But I do think, you know, I I, I think you make a good point when it comes down <laughs> to it. You know, I really do, and it. it's interesting. And you know, I think the point is. It does come down to the offense, right? And yeah. for when we're, we're talking about fantasy, it comes down to the offense and it comes down to the role they would play in the offense. It comes
1: down to the other uh, skilled well, player. there. Go sure. ahead. Go let's ahead. Say Travis Kelsey's like, guys, I need the year off, Dennis Rodman style, but full year off, right? Yeah. And LeBron's coming in. Let's say he needs the week off, and LeBron's going to play for the Chiefs for one week against a bad defense. There's no Travis Kelsey? No Kelsey, right? So you're yeah. doing your DFS rankings. Yeah. Is LeBron, like, tight end one, I don't two? think like, one. Like, what's the expectations? He is the starting tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs for a week. Yeah. Like, how mean, many I tight ends do you think? Not many. I
0: think he'd be <laughs> one of the higher-priced tight ends on FanDuel and DraftKings. Yes, oh. I do. I think you're right. But the point to be made, right, is remember the situation. And to that point, you know, we were talking about the Colts yesterday, Kevin. You know, Frank Reich literally yesterday came out. Uh, and started talking. Uh, he talks about Phillip Rivers, wanting to be there for more than just one year, but I found it interesting, Kevin. One of the other players he decided to talk about was Naheem Hines. And you remember what we said yesterday about Naheem Hines and how we got to look at the whole position group and the role he would play. So when you talk about LeBron on the Cowboys, that's one thing. Naheem Hines on the Colts, I think it's going to be still very, very interesting. And remember how I said he would be the only running back I would want to own? Well, what I heard out of Frank Reich only makes me think that even more. Okay, because they are saying this 1-1 punch. That's about early down work, Kevin. That's about early down work. That's about in-between-the-tackles work. And he literally said, Frank Reich said, There will be a game this year where Naheem Hines has 10 catches out of the backfield. When I hear something like that, Kevin, boy, do my ears perk up, especially in PPR formats. I know you love talking Colts. I want to ask you about that and some more news and notes in the NFL when we come back. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. Come on back after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Early Line, giving you the edge every morning on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh going around the world of sports and trying to make some money off of it. For example, we are now full fading the Utah Jazz. Not only have they lost their home court advantage if and when the NBA playoffs, uh, you know, tip off, they've also lost one of their major scorers, Bogdanovich now, who's at 20 points a game. So we're thinking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I also think Russell Westbrook. Uh, former member of the Thunder, could be an interesting candidate for Alien Ball. (laughs) By the way, if you, listening or watching right now, tell me who our number one draft pick should be for Alien Ball, hit us up at Spittin' Speeds, at Kevin Well, I want to know, maybe we should continue to think about this, all right, Kevin? Maybe we should put it out on social media. Ooh should the Earthlings put up for alien Mm -hmm. ball? Will it be LeBron James or will it be someone else? But in any event, I was talking about Naheem Hines, right? And we're talking about the role in the committee. And Frank Reich, the head coach, came out and said he wouldn't be surprised if Naheem Hines catches 10 balls in a game this year. I also think about Phillip Rivers as the quarterback of this offense and how he loves to check it down to Austin Eckler. That's how Austin Eckler emerged as a kind of fantasy weapon in the last couple of years. What do you think about Nahim Hines? Could he be a diamond in the rough?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, when I saw this piece of news, I kind—you of, never get the uh, like, all right, cool—because like it had come out, you know, after our conversation around the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and I think this is—I think I was happy to see that we could both kind of read this situation appropriately. Right. Is it, that Nahim Hines is going to be very much so involved in this one-one punch? It, you know, Jonathan this is not- Taylor, RB twenty, right now, right? Marlin Mack.
0: Yep, Marlon, because they they updated, you know, Marlon Mack, RB forty three right now. Naheem Hines, RB forty-eight in the consensus ranks. Okay, so in PPR formats, yeah. I think that means he's a diamond.
1: Do you remember he's- where Naheem was ranked when we had the cult
0: conversation? We didn't go to, all the way down to Naheem Hines. I think we only did uh, Taylor, and I think we only did Taylor and Mac. But as you can see, this committee, yeah. you know, I think the
1: right member is Naheem Hines. Seriously, I, I think it's the safest option because it's the one that's giving you the, you, you know, your lowest draft position. Right. But he also might be the safest because if again we've talked about it, He's right? But his role is in split. Yeah, exactly. If Marlon and Mac, Jonathan Taylor are going to split carries 50-50 or even 60-40. That's right. But if Naheem Hines has, you know, 90% of the pass catching work, oh, then I'd give me Naheem Hines.
0: Yep. So, guys, remember, we talked a lot about the Colts already yesterday, but Naheem Hines, definitely a potential diamond in the rough. I want to go to another story um, that I saw yesterday. And, Kevin, it's almost like they're listening to me you know, here on Sports (laughs) Grid, because I feel like one player specifically just wanted to stick it to me and prove something to me. Mm. Um, And that player is uh, Big Ben all right Kevin because listen he's out there and remember I have been talking all this time about the damn Steelers like it's up in the air for me because I don't know if Big Ben's rehab is going well I've been talking about guys like Jameis Winston Cam Newton how Pittsburgh is a location potentially because I'm not as sure about Big Ben but we're going to put it up and you see some of this Big Ben and some of the other Steelers were working out kind of like we've got a Big Ben hype video going on right now and what I thought was interesting you got Ju you at the end being like he's back and they also mm. it looks like figuratively they cut his beard <laughs> you know in this video and if that's not a telltale sign that big ben thinks he's ready to go i don't know tell me about this are does this video give you confidence in big ben and let me ask you this like are you more confident in big ben because of the video Or, for example, are you confident in, like, Cam Newton, based on the Instagram videos he's putting out there? Or what we saw out of Tua Tagovailoa on Instagram. These workouts we're starting to see left and right. We're even seeing Alex Smith demonstrate on social media that he can still do it. What are you thinking about this Big Ben? The best I can say is a Big Ben hype video. Does that make you more comfortable and confident that he's gonna be ready to go? And ultimately, on any Steelers bets?
1: It can't hurt, right? Like, there's no way yeah. me seeing him go out there and, and throw it around is not going to lower uh, my standings. The other day, when I was See doing some of it happening here on the video, yeah, like, like it, sure. for sure. I, I mean, like, the other day when I was doing my walk, I was listening to uh, some Flatbush Zombies, and Michi Darko had a line that roughly equates to, um, you know, how are people going to know that you're working if you don't show it off? Right. right. And, you know what I mean? And that's kind of always the idea. We saw you, know, you saw the whole uh, DeAndre Swift carry on Johnson comparison that existed because DeAndre was working out and carry on was at the beach and carry on was like, you know, you're allowed to work out and not post it. Um, that's a long way of me saying, though, I don't mind seeing big Ben be out there and work. I just for me, Ben, I just want to see him in the, in the right mind space. And I think the person that this gets me the most excited for is Juju Smith Schuster, Right, Juju Smith-Schuster mm. found himself last year, you know, sneaking his land around one. As we right. said, oh, my goodness, imagine all the targets. This is my lead of league in target. This is going to be amazing. Right. We don't know what would have happened. I-, I don't think it's fair to say, like, oh, it was proven that he can't be a one or it was proven that AB is the reason why Juju was good because Big Bang got hurt immediately. So I don't feel comfortable saying that to Juju Smith, who's shown talent uh, as soon as he's hit this league. To me, Juju is another guy. know I don't know where Juju lands on uh, on our ADP board. I don't know who he's around uh, in that wide receiver group. But if it is something that's comparable to James Conner,
0: I mean, again, it feels no, like Juju still state. going as a wideout one. He's going number okay. eleven. In terms of the wideouts right now, the 11th wideout off the board, right behind what it looks like is DJ Moore, right ahead of what it looks like is Amari Cooper, in that same level that we've been talking about a lot, the Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, uh, AJ Brown kind of spot, that's uh, yeah. that's where we're going. By the way, I know you were very surprised about AJ Brown. AJ Brown has been bumped back. He's now all the way back down to like 17 or 18 oh, in okay. the latest release of this. I think it's Connor. Not Juju. I got to tell you, Kevin, because to me, what Big Ben represents is the threat of the passing game being a lot better, right? If you're a defensive coordinator, okay, last year, and Duck Hodges was the opposing quarterback, your priority facing the Steelers is to stop the run game. Stop James Conner. Now with Big Ben back under center with these weapons, right? Juju, the kid Claypool, who I know we like, Deontay Johnson, right? Now as a defensive coordinator playing the Steelers in 2020, you have a different priority. Your priority in 2019 was stop the run game because I didn't care if Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges beat me, i tip my cap. Now Big Ben is back in the saddle. So my priority is to kind of – Stop the passing game. The pick my poison, I think, theory applies here. I'm picking to try to stop Ben. I think that has safeties further back, more attention to the pass game, and more open space for James Conner. I think Connor is the bigger beneficiary here.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, we went through it with the Steelers, man. James Conner is ready to wear uh, whatever the team name I'm going with this year's jersey, and he's going (laughs) to wear it a lot. Like that's definitely one of the guys that I'm going to find myself very, very interested in, but. You know, Juju, it'll it'll depend on the value. What I will say is, considering... Now, I know this is also a fluctuation that is going to exist with Dress in May, but I do almost feel like the way you list those names in that, you know, edge of wide receiver one to beginning of wide receiver two, it feels like they're going to fluctuate a lot. And it's going to be very dependent on the news cycle. So I think when we hear good news about Juju, he'll find his way up. If we hear Drew Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton can't stop scoring touchdowns in practices, it'll be sudden.
0: Best shape yeah. of his life, right? Exactly. Right, right.
1: Yeah, exactly. If we see A.J. Brown look even future
0: mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Then... And that's why, Kevin, I keep on making the point, we do this in tiers, right? Because within that tier... There's going to be some wiggle room and you may have a personal preference to one player or another, right? But uh, that's why we have these in these tiers in these groups. It is a very good point. I do want to make one more uh, piece of news here before we close off the top of the hour. And remember in hour number two, we will continue our roster reset. We'll look at the NFL. I think we're going to dig into the Houston Texans today, but I wanted to ask you, especially when you were talking about carrying on Johnson and Swift, like, Hey, You got to be working out at all times. Got to keep your head on a swivel. Got to keep grinding, right? Someone who I know is close to your heart because of all your wrestling love, Kevin, that always has to have a head on a swivel, maybe like 24-7 has to have their head on a swivel, Kevin, is Rob Gronkowski, right? Because (laughs) he, correct me if I'm wrong, is the current 24-7 24-7 champion in the WWE, right? So yeah. and for people who don't know, this means that at any time, in any place, I can try to fight Gronk, and if I got a ref, I can win this title. And it's a comedy thing, right? They do it in all sorts of areas. Now I hear also, though, Enos Cantor is signing a WWE contract. So talk to me. I wanted to give you a couple of minutes for your love of wrestling, Kevin, and yeah. how it fits in the sports world. So tell me, is Gronk going to drop the belt to, like, Tom Brady or Bruce Arians? Is this going to be handled before he actually has Tampa Bay Buccaneers
1: commitments? And what do you think about Enos Cantor apparently signing a WWE contract? Yeah, well, I think for for Gronk, I don't remember specifically if it was just a deal for Mania or a contract, but if he's still under contract, then, yeah. like, he should be giving us more content with that title. Like, the the, the title is, in concept, like, an absurd thing. Yeah. It is – that's why Gronk is the champion. Right. So I don't know where – I don't know necessarily, like, what Gronk is doing right now. I don't know if Gronk is around people. I don't right. know what the deal is. He's got to be in the gym working out, right? He's got to right. still some muscle on that body. I, I, don't, I don't buy that Gronk right now is alone. Whomever you are with, though, just let someone pin you. Win right. it back. Like, do a couple segments here and there with the belt. I do think that when the season rolls around – Because it's Gronk, I could see him getting some awesome, awesome segments out of it between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, but even opponents. Like I think Christian McCaffrey, I think, um, you know, I think
0: they will literally allow him, though, to do this. Will the Tampa Bay Bucks allow him to do this? You know, we see in NFL contracts all the time, like, remember, bringing it back to Big Ben, his motorcycle riding, right? You're not right. allowed to go skydiving. You're not allowed to do this. I would think that competing in a WWE ring, or I guess it doesn't always happen in a ring. That's the with thing. 24-7. Yeah. Um, I don't know.
1: I don't know I don't if know. this is an allowed activity I when you're a never, professional athlete. Never let him get back in a ring. No way. But right. the the simple roll-up pin, or even sure. if it's just, like, on a bench press and, like, Christian McCaffrey puts a hand on him and gets a pin right. that way. Like I think he who's also on that team puts four <laughs> fingers or three and a half fingers on him for a pin. Right. There's there's <laughs> a bunch of things that they can do. In terms of Ennis Cantor, um I actually saw him live at an event. Like he okay. came out, um, was just in like a big, big jumpsuit and then like pulled the zipper down, had the Celtics jersey on, got all the heat in the world. I see. Like Ennis Cantor like just does find a way to irritate people. I mean, his real-life story is one where I, like, absolutely sympathize with the guy. Um, But, I mean, yeah, he could go to WWE. He's huge. Right. And WWE clearly, like, I mean, they'll... Oh, look, you're massive. Have someone yeah, else some find everything. a home for him. Absolutely. With Enos Cantor, though,
0: remember, it's also interesting. He's something of an activist in oh, yeah. his native country of Turkey, and that's very interesting. I'm going to talk about some activism happening in the NFL. And in hour number two, we dig into the Houston Texans. Let's see where we have them in the AFC South. Tune in for hour number two. It's coming right up on the other side of this break, the early line right here on Sports Group.